0: Hi, I'm Debbie Addis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about Maxine Guilty, 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 George Floyd and the Chauvin trial, Governor DeSantis leads again, and American Parent Speaks for Millions. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And hello again, and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's first five. Over the weekend, I spoke with a young man, a uh, millennial, uh, who was basically saying, you know, I just cannot even see Any way forward for America. I think he's a conservative young man and basically said, I I can't even imagine how we move forward. And you talked about the various things that we've talked about in the show many times. You know, we have uh, pretty much a Marxist takeover in Washington. We have H.R. Well, the now Senate Bill one that is in, in. Intended, or the mission would be uh, to completely take over, federalize the election system, and make it impossible for a conservative majority to ever prevail again in national elections. I mean, issue after issue after issue, and most specifically, uh, of course, uh, the race relations tension of race relations. Uh, we have the, We're going to talk about the uh, Maxine Waters in a moment. So before I get into Maxine Waters and her stunt uh, in Minneapolis over the weekend, I wanted to share one little really bright spot tidbit with you. As I was talking to this young millennial guy, um, this young man at this event over the weekend, um, I was pointing out that, you know, the news looks for controversy. They look for things that are angry, they look for things that are gonna be controversial, that you're gonna get people just sounding angry and, and. Um, and, and they, they look for negativity and because it sells, it makes news. And so if you look at the situation in America, you could just, it seems like the leftist mob has taken over America, that there is no way to fight back, that the, uh, the election system is rigged, that just a million other things are lined up, that we're just doomed. But there are so many bright spots. And I want to just share, this is not really my first five. This is my intro to my first five. And that is this. I still maintain this country as at very least 60-40 pro-conservative, pro-America agenda, pro-freedom, and anti-Marxist, at least 60-40, maybe more like 70-30. If you took the name trump off of the trump agenda and just said to people what do you think about this agenda you would get 60 40 in favor or maybe even 70 30. that's where america lives the american left in this country or as i often call them the democrat media mob are loud they are persistent they are relentless they are demanding and they are threatening it can paint a false picture for americans but what they're painting is not true most americans and more americans all the time are recognizing what they're up to and so, as one example, over this past weekend, here in the gray state of Texas, we, there was an event on Saturday night. It was out at South Fork Ranch, which is a very, very cool venue, which is actually where I had my conference last year, last September. My conference was at uh, my American Women and American Freedom Conference was at South Fork. Well, there was a conference this past Saturday, called, the, and it was dedicated to the True Texas Project. And every one of you, every conservative in any state in this country could replicate this idea. The True Texas Project is basically the brainstorming of a small group of conservatives just saying, you know, we need to band together. We need to reassure each other what we believe in. We have, we have to issue the kind of a you know, founding document, statement, what we believe in. We believe in freedom, we believe in limited government, we believe in the Second Amendment, we believe in the idea of the American individual having freedom as spelled out in the Bill of Rights. It's just a, it, it is not a one issue group. It is a group that's saying, we believe in founding great ideas of America, and those ideas, my very fine friends, if you didn't know it, are the heart and soul of Texas. Or as I used to say about Texas, Texas is what America is supposed to be. And this group that just got started, I think last year, I mean, they haven't even been around very long. True Texas Project had a huge gala at the uh, South Fork Ranch on Saturday night. They had over 600 people there. They had... Yet they had fireworks at the end. They had this rabble-rousing, upbeat, happy. I mean, it was a dinner. It was actually an event. People were in gowns, looked really fancy and lovely. Um, and, but it was a fabulous, upbeat, wonderful event. And the message of it was, you know, Texas is still free. Texas is still good. And we, the people of the True Texas Project, we're going to stand up and fight for Texas. So that happened here in Texas. Also, we had over the weekend, I, and I had many friends who went to that event Saturday night. We were not able to go. We had other friends who were in Arizona and they were at a a big, I'm not sure it was a gala or what kind of event it was, uh, but Charlie Kirk was there in Turning Point USA. And that is an event filled with 25 year olds, 25 to 35, young people. Packed event, high energy. And I'm just wanting to plant this seed of expectation of the goodness of America being played out and winning the day. I'm telling you, around this country, there are millions of Americans the majority of Americans, the majority of voting age Americans who know this country's goodness and greatness and uniqueness, and they are celebrating it, and they are organizing around, it, and they are doing events. That's the America that's real. That's the America that has at least a 60-40, if not 70-30 majority. And that America is going to prevail. Now, the real topic of my first five has to do with Maxine Waters. You may have seen over the weekend she visited Minneapolis, where uh, today, Monday, there's going to be the, uh, at the uh, trial relating the George Floyd incident last year, uh, there's a trial of the uh, officer charged, Officer Chauvin, and today, Monday, the jury, uh, they, the prosecutor, the defense, made their closing statements. The jury, I believe, is being receiving the charge or the instructions from the judge right now, uh, and they'll go off and they will uh, begin to contemplate uh, and debate the evidence they've heard in this trial. Maxine Waters flew to Minnesota. This is a Democrat congressman, oh, Congresswoman not from Minnesota. Uh, Maxine Waters, of uh, many, many uh, instances of her outspoken, inappropriate remarks, um, one having been not too long ago when she encouraged people under the Trump administration, she encouraged people to go out in public. If they were to see President Trump or anyone in his administration, anyone who supports him, if they were to be seen in a restaurant or public place, to hassle, confront, uh, you know, basically to taunt and dox and attack anyone who supported President Trump. She advocates lawlessness. She is a an extreme leftist, and and I mean, just just um, you know, no apparently no processing between brain and mouth. But she, Maxine Waters, went to Minnesota. I want to play for you. I sent to Matt the Wonderful. What she had to say in Minnesota this past weekend. I'm looking for a guilty verdict. If nothing does not happen then we know uh, that we've got to not only stay in the street, but we've got to fight for justice. But I am very hopeful and I hope uh, that we're going to get a uh, verdict that say guilty, guilty, guilty. And if we don't, we, got, we cannot go away. And not just manslaughter, right? I mean... Oh no, not manslaughter. No, no, no. This is This is guilty for murder. I don't know whether it's in the first degree, but as far as I'm concerned, it's first degree it's Well, we, we got to stay on the street uh, and we've got to get more active, we've got to get more confrontational, we've got to make sure that they, they know that we mean business. There you have Maxine Waters. She is encouraging lawlessness. She's encouraging the mob on the street you just saw. She's encouraging that mob to maintain pressure on the jurors and that's who she's really talking to the jurors in the George Floyd incident involving officer Chauvin and I'll tell you what I want to say in this first five about that subject one of the most precious important promises to each individual in America is the idea of the due process of law the idea that when you are charged with a crime before you can be convicted you will be at various steps along the way various stages treated fairly treated with the presumption of innocence treated with the system affording you the same rights as it should afford everyone else regardless of race ethnicity national origin skin color or anything else about yourself you're entitled to due process that includes the presumption of innocence by the jury. That includes the obligation of the prosecutor to prove every element of the crime for which you're charged uh, beyond a reasonable doubt. It includes fairness in the way the trial is handled. And you have Maxine Waters, not just some you know random goofball from the you know street someplace, a member of the United States Congress up in Minneapolis where they've already had massive, massive rioting and destruction of property, you have Maxine Waters demanding a guilty verdict, not demanding due process, not demanding that justice be done. She is demanding a guilty verdict. And the reason it's so troublesome, what we're gonna do in the next segment today is I wanna talk a little bit about the cases that are going on uh, in Minnesota. It's been been, uh, in the news several times recently, very very serious cases. I wanna talk about them, but I wanna close out the first five by saying this. The difference between lynch mobs that used to just decide in the South that somebody, and sadly and unfortunately in American history, we had lynch mobs in the South Deciding that black Americans were guilty of some crime, they were suspected of some crime, so before you had an arrest, following proper procedures, a charging document, whether it required in the the various states, whether or not they had to have a grand jury indictment or not, but you had processes followed in every state. And then you had charges brought. And then the charges in each of the elements had to be proved beyond a reasonable doubt. And the defense attorney would have the right to know ahead of time what witnesses the prosecution was going to bring. There are a series of things we built into our system to make it fair. The difference between lynch mob justice and what we're supposed to have in this case and in every case is the concept of due process. What Maxine Waters is urging the already extremely agitated, angry mobs in the street of Minneapolis is she's basically saying to the jury and to America, I, Maxine Waters, or we, the people who are angry about the George Floyd situation and angry Officer Chauvin, we decide the verdict. And if we don't get the verdict we want, we will continue to commit violence. She is depriving the American people and this officer and everybody else who might fall into a similar situation of the most basic and just revered concept that keeps ordered liberty, that keeps civil society, that keeps the expectation of justice. that's the concept of due process. And this is the same woman, by the way, who voted to impeach the president, impeach President Trump for allegedly inciting a riot on January 6th, which he did not do, but she took his language of peacefully and patriotically protest. That was sufficient to her to vote to impeach the president because of what happened on January 6th, but this when she's in the streets of Minneapolis urging people to continue their confrontation their violence in the streets And that somehow is not inciting a riot, apparently, in her twisted thinking. She's inciting a riot, and thank God for one person in Congress at least. In fact, there are several. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene has called. She's actually moving for the expulsion. Expulsion. Expulsion from the U.S. House of Maxine Waters for actually inciting a riot, not fake inciting a riot, which she was okay with, which Maxine Waters is okay with under Trump, but really inciting a riot. You even had Kevin uh, McCarthy, who's a House Minority Leader, Republican House Minority Leader, who rarely ever stands up for hardly anything. And even he said, you know, if this conduct, if this language by Maxine Waters, is not brought up for consideration and possible um, punishment by Nancy Pelosi, the majority leader, that he, um, the Speaker of the House, rather, that he, Kevin McCarthy, would bring those charges himself. So her conduct was so far out of line, but the reason it really matters, and I'll close out the first five by saying this. This due process thing could not be more important in, as, as an integral element and an essential element to having a justice system that's fair, that's reasonable, that treats everyone the same, due process is huge. If she's OK throwing away due process to get her political will, her predetermined verdict, she's really saying, I don't care about the system America has created. I don't care about the justice system. I will not tolerate the justice system. I will not tolerate anything about it. I decide, I, Maxine Waters, and my followers who are in the streets of Minneapolis, we decide the verdict, and everybody else has to go along, or else holy hell is going to be unleashed on America. And this is an alleged leader of the United States, a member of the U.S. Congress. Truly, truly disgraceful. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. You know, I had a lot. Of, I want to talk about the uh, Chicago um, incident, the what's going on in Chicago. But um, I want to talk about there are actually three relatively recent cases all going on in Chicago. Uh, one today, obviously the big one today, George Floyd. The incident occurred last summer, May 25th of 2020, when George Floyd was arrested, um, and uh, Officer Chauvin, who's now the one who's on trial. Um, being charged in the case involving George Floyd's arrest. So there's that case. And then there was, I'm going to get the dates correct here. So then there was on uh, March 29th was the incident in Chicago involving Adam Toledo, um, a young, I think he was 13-year-old young man who was shot and killed by a police officer. And then there was uh, the Dante Wright incident, which was um, April 11th. And so there are, there's great racial tension in Chicago right now great racial tension and, and you know people in the streets protesting. And again, back to the due process idea, I want to say a, a couple of preliminary remarks. One is the ability of the American people to build a culture and a society around the founding ideas of America, around the Declaration of Independence, around the Constitution, around the presumption of innocence, around all of what we have. The ability of our country to be America is premised on the idea that we are not a country of rule of men, but rule of law. And that the rule of law actually means each and every individual is entitled to all the protections that we have written into, woven into our country. We expect that when we hear of any arrest by any person of any race, ethnicity, national origin, skin color, we expect them, it's it's one system. It is not a tiered system. It's not a system where it's not supposed to be a tiered system where some people, because of their family connections or because of their race or skin color, uh, get a different kind of justice. It's supposed to be justice that is blind. No one on the planet Earth and no one in America would ever claim that our justice system is perfect. We wouldn't claim that our policing is perfect. We wouldn't claim that anything about America is perfect. It's just the best country on Earth. It's just the best system on Earth. It's just the best system to try to provide justice in the world. And the way it provides justice is by having these processes that we've been, we've been talking about, the presumption of innocence, the obligation of the prosecutor to turn over all evidence that he or she intends to rely on in trial, including exculpatory evidence, evidence that tends to make it look like the accused did not commit the crime or the accused did not you know, commit as bad a crime as it sounds like. We have all sorts of wonderful protections built into this. And the whole point of it is to stop having trial by mob, trial by lynch mob, trial by headline, or trial by just hysterical public opinion. It's supposed to actually be a very precious process. that's trial that allows you, the individual, the protections the state is affording you, so you get to go through your trial and get to what you hope is going to be a just verdict in the case of Officer Chauvin and the arrest of George Floyd last summer. Everyone in the country has seen the video. Uh, Wait, one more thing before I get into this. Part of what is happening is the American left through the course of decades, and as we've been talking about in the show a lot, but the communist movement coming here in the 1920s, the recognition that the communists could not talk America into abandoning freedom and free markets, by selling them the idea of communism because Americans said, no thanks, we have prosperity, we have abundance, we have opportunity, we we have just a beautiful flourishing society, we don't want your crummy communism. The communist mindset recognized decades ago that they had to use some other vehicle to convince Americans to surrender the idea of America, the idea of freedom. And early on, the communists got to the idea of using the subject of race, trying to use the subject of race, race relations, inequity between the races as a as a wedge to drive the American people apart. The Communist Party very intentionally did this in this country. Manning Johnson, you spoke about his book many times, a black American got drawn in to the communist movement and recognized after he worked for the Communists in, in America, tried to be a, he was a spokesman for them, he tried to pushed their message, realized a decade or more in, hey, wait a minute, the communists don't care at all about me. They brought me in claiming uh, communism would be better for black Americans. And he got in and realized actually the communists only care about totalitarian control over society. That's all they care about. They don't care about blacks at all. So he left the communist party, wrote that great book. And I don't have the title in front of me, Color Conscience. Communism, color, and conscious whatever it is. Maybe my, maybe someone can text it to me. But anyway, he wrote that book trying to say don't listen to, to black America. Don't listen to the communists. They're lying when they say they care about your race and your skin color. They're lying when they say they care about black America. So now we fast forward to where we are. The leftist mindset in this country still uses race to divide us, still creates, as I pointed out many times, The Marxist movement, the leftist movement, the Democrat Party today puts Americans into silos, little categories, assigns you a, uh, a, because of your skin color, this is how you think, this is who you are, this is your victim status. They've lined it up and told you this is your victim status. So now we have the, where we are today, we have this uh, very, very tense situation in Chicago and other places, and the attempt by the left is to use race. To, to divide this country, the Marxist movement now having just full blossomed in Washington, having control of the levers of power in Washington, needs to continue to foment American division along the lines of race. Now, on the uh, incident involving George Floyd last summer, everyone saw the video, it was horrific. And so everyone's looking at, um, looking at the video and thinking, my gosh, how could this happen in America? It looks like um, the guy, uh, the officer involved, you know, killed George Floyd by putting his knee, the officer's knee on George Floyd's neck and holding him against the pavement. Very violent, uh, very, very, very uh, tense situation. Officers standing around. Uh, people were, uh, crowds were gathering. They were trying to get involved. I mean, it was really a, um, a, a very tense scene. And so the point of getting due process at a trial is, Rather than having a person tried on the basis of a video someone shot from their phone, looking at the facts. I'm going to tell you a few facts that came out during this trial. Number one, uh, there was, uh, as you look more closely at the video, the officer was actually, he had his knee on George Floyd's back and not his neck. So he wasn't apparently restricting his breathing. Although George Floyd had, before he was on the pavement, before he was being pinned down, he'd been saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, while he was standing up. He was very tense and very agitated, in great part because he had three times the fatal dosage Um, of fentanyl in his system. Wildly, whatever reason there was, had had an enormous amount of fentanyl in his system, three times the the fatal rate, three times the lethal rate, and so he's he's ingested enough that he's not going to survive anyway. Unless he had maybe a stomach pump. I don't know. But the point is, he ingested fentanyl, he was resisting arrest, and the crowd's gathering and the officers are trying to get the situation under control. So they end up uh, he ends up being pinned on the ground. Uh, that was one thing. He was the situation. He had been saying, "I can't breathe" beforehand. Before he was pinned. And the officer uh, was restraining him, which, while I I think that looks like a horrible way to be restrained, at the time that occurred, this was a permissible, permissible under the training of many police officers at that time, a permissible way to restrain someone who otherwise could not be restrained. So, okay, so the, and and, you know, folks, I am not here advocating for uh, Chauvin, the outcome of the Chauvin trial to have any particular outcome. I am not advocating for the jury to find guilty on something not guilty in something else i am not advocating his acquittal i'm advocating that you have to trust the due process in our country trust the jury system and you are the the jurors themselves are frightened to death no doubt by the people in the streets outside the courthouse so that's already a huge Factor in the jury's contemplation of what's going to happen to us with this wild mob outside if we dare to find him not guilty But back to the trial. So those facts come out. He had a lot of fentanyl on his system He did resist arrest uh, that was a permissible use of the of the um, that tactic even though since then I believe Minneapolis and many other police forces have decided that's not okay and actually when we had a police officer in the show Right after the George Floyd incident, he said most um, police departments in America have already said that's not that that have dis uh, disallowed the use of that hold unless there's no other means possible to restrain the person. And then you also had people, all the media ahead of time was had one witness who had been out there blathering away about how she had. Um, been very, uh, she'd been on the scene. She, she realized George Floyd need help. She Officers wouldn't let her help. She was really, I want to step in. I can see it. He can use help. Well, she finally testified at this trial. She got to testify. First of all, she'd been a nurse for a year. And so she was asked, well, then what would you have done if they had let you help? She goes, well, I, I would have called for uh, medical. I would have called 911 for an ambulance. Okay. The officers had already done that. They'd already done that. They already called for medical help. So, and then she had a whole series of other things. Um, I would have checked his airway for obstruction. Uh, and which is, I mean, the thing she said, were ludicrous, is my point. They were not anything the officers either hadn't done or were pointless to say. But she was given all sorts of attention from the media as though there was someone standing there who could have saved them all. Um, and I want to just, I mean, I, I'm really getting at this not from the perspective of how, um, you know, how there should have been a, um, a clear verdict uh, or they never should have been charged. Um, as much as the idea that so much of our attention in this country is on this trial, this incident, and it has been shaped by the media, the the violence in this country, and the violence in this country over the last year, over all last summer, did not stem from the George Floyd incident. The rioters were trying to say it did. The rioters were trying to say, "Oh yeah, we're in the streets of every city in every major state in America, you know, because of the George Floyd thing." No, as we talked about in the show before, this was very Marxist agitated Antifa, Black Lives Matter, funded by Marxists, funded by radical Chinese, the Chinese Communist Party affiliated organizations in America, funding Antifa, funding Black Lives Matter, encouraging them to be in the streets. And so you had this whole incident springing from last summer in George Floyd. Again, that was on May 25th, Antifa and Black Lives Matter, funded by the communists, rioting over the summer. So you finally get to the point of this trial, of today in this trial, where the jury is going to be given the case and decide what the verdict will be on Officer Chauvin. And all of this backdrop is making it extremely difficult, if not downright impossible, for Officer Chauvin to get what the law provides and says he should have, which is due process. And much of what the agitation is in this country over this case is because of outside agitating, outside funded forces keeping America stirred up and divided and hateful. This whole episode is a great example of what the left, you know, that old, that whole story about or that slogan or mantra but don't let a good crisis go to waste the leftist mindset in this country use the george floyd incident to keep america divided agitated suspicious to create and and increase racial tension and again i'm not saying every officer in america is perfect i know officers have have we're going to talk about two other cases but in this particular case just think of what we're doing think for yourselves what are we doing in this country if we're going to say Chauvin should be convicted because otherwise the mob outside the courthouse will commit more violence or Chauvin could be, should be convicted because of the video we saw last summer and regardless of all the facts the jury heard, regardless of all the evidence, the testimony, the physical evidence that the jury heard, including hearing from people saying given what occurred. Given the uh, conduct of George Floyd leading up to the time he was on the pavement, that was legitimate decision by this officer. I'm not saying it was or wasn't, but the job is for the jury, not for the media. But the media is so invested in finding something controversial, finding something to keep America stirred up, that they could, they allow this kind of thing to, to just... Fester, and now here we are, an officer chauvin who actually has the same right of due process as any other American, black, white, any other national origin, skin, uh, you know, skin color, national origin, or race. Everybody has that right. But really, in America, we're, if we allow this kind of pressure to occur, we're really depriving not just this officer, but in cases going forward, depriving him and America of this most precious promise for our founding due process. I want to also hit, though, the two other cases going on, um, because these are honestly kind of, um, so that's in Minnesota. So we have things, um, in fact, I want to show you, there was an incident in Brooklyn Center. Brooklyn Center uh, in Minnesota uh, was the area, the place, where uh, Dante Wright uh, was killed by a police officer on April 11th. And I, I'm going to get to Adam Toledo in a moment, but I want to talk about the Dante Wright case and what's happened there. So Dante Wright incident happened on April 11th, and uh, Dante Wright was the case in which a driver was pulled over by the police. And apparently it was some really inconsequential, it was either expired tags or maybe ha- a uh, a, 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 you know air freshener thing in the car hanging off the rear view mirror which I guess wasn't permitted there it was a minor thing he wasn't pulled over for drunk driving but he's pulled over and as the officers are checking his license registration they realize he has an outstanding warrant so they take him out of the car and because um, they're going to arrest him an outstanding warrant which was by the way for fleeing from police officers last time So Dante Wright, they're trying to put the handcuffs on him. He works himself free of the handcuffs. He's wrestling with the officers, jumps back in the car. The officer outside the car is standing there. A woman officer is standing there. And she is, um, you know, they they were trying to arrest him. And he was resisting arrest, jumps back in the car. And she's saying, taser, taser. She's saying, I'm going to tase you. She's warning him, I'm going to tase you, I'm going to tase you. And then she says, taser, taser, taser. And she shoots, and she actually has her gun in her hand instead of the taser. So she shot him with a, in the chest with a bullet instead of a taser. He drives a few blocks, uh, already having been shot, crashes the car and dies at the scene. And so she, this officer, is charged with a crime. The point of all of this story is to say this is yet in the litany of cases you have in this country where the narrative is built up that black um, individual Americans, unarmed black Americans, are repeatedly mistreated by the police in our country. Even when you have Statistics that show you that isn't true. Even when the FBI statistics are laid out and show you that isn't true. Even when you have, uh, you know, instances where you can compare how likely a white police officer is to be killed by a black civilian versus a black civilian by a white police officer, you recognize, you know, we we don't have the crisis level that we don't have the narrative the left tries to put out that says, you know, we have uh, in, in America we have black Americans who are simply, uh, you know. I can't barely walk out of the house in the morning to go down the grocery store without being accosted by a police officer. The statistics don't bear out that kind of stirred up allegation uh, about police conduct in this country. But given the tension that's been created, tension created over decades of trying to create and foment racial tension, you have this incident in which the officer, Apparently acknowledged very quickly very soon afterwards. I meant I made a mistake I meant to tase him and I fired my gun by mistake. She's been fired She's been this officer has been fired and she's being charged I, I can't remember the charge maybe voluntary manslaughter involuntary manslaughter because she was she's charged because you know she's and I would say you have to charge her with something I mean when you Intend to fire a taser and you end up killing someone and you're a police officer. Yeah I think you have to be charged But the point in telling you all about this whole story is, Dante Walker, excuse me, Dante Wright, pardon me, Dante Wright, this young man, uh, who was 20 or 21, you know, in that case, he had, from the car, called his mother, and it was either the other person in the car or hearing him, but the mother saying, don't run, don't run, don't run. She's telling him, don't run. But he did he tried to get away again and he by the way at the background of this young this young man dante was the reason he had a previous warrant out he had an outstanding warrant for his arrest was in december of 2019 so a little less than a year and a half ago he had committed a violent crime uh, he was charged with a violent crime. He was in the home. He and another friend of his, uh, two young black men, were in a, at a home where there was a party. This is December 2019, they're in the home where there's a party. And the end of the evening, the two women who live in this apartment said, okay, party over, time to leave, get out of here, get out of here. Um, and these two young men said, you know, we don't have a car. We, we, we don't have a way to get home. So she lets them sleep over. This is a story that came out in the police. And as this, this other case proceeded, she lets them stay overnight. In the morning, the one young woman says, I'm going to run out to the ATM and get some money, get $820 out, because she owed rent To the other woman, whose apartment, who was leasing the apartment, so she goes out the ATM, she comes home with eight hundred twenty dollars, and Dante Wright and his friend were in that apartment. And she comes back with the money. She hands it to the woman who's got the lease, and Dante Wright pulls a gun on her, and says, "Give me on the woman who owns the apartment." The other one has left. The one who's paid the one has left and gone to work or something. So, Dante Wright pulls the gun and says, give me the money. She's saying no, they're they're arguing back and forth, and this is all the allegation of the first charge, ends up strangling her, not killing her, but trying to strangle her, squeezing her neck, finally leaves without getting the money, and that's the crime he was originally charged for, and the one he was going to, they are going to move forward with charges for him, and then he was, as I guess, awaiting trial, but there was, he was not permitted by the terms of his release to be carrying a weapon. So he's caught carrying a weapon, he flees in that instance. So this is a guy who has not heard that you really can be in trouble if you flee from the police. He was still willing in this case to flee from the police. I am not excusing the officer who fired a gun when she meant to fire a taser. I mean I am I I believe her that there was a you know she made a mistake, a huge mistake but we live in this society where there's so much agitation, so much determination to find fault, so much so much willingness to attribute the worst motives possible to the officer that this is now a source instead of, wow, she made a mistake and she should be fired, which she has been, she should be charged which he has been, but this is a, another source of racial agitation. And now I want to ask Matt the wonderful, there was a, a clip I put up. This is a tweet put out by another member of U.S. Congress, Rashida Tlaib, about the Dante Wright shooting. And I want to read this to you, so leave it up there for a second, please. Rashida Tlaib, member of Congress, she puts out a tweet on April 12th, says, it wasn't an accident. Policing in our country is inherently and intentionally Racist. Dante Wright was met with aggression and violence. I am done with those who condone government-funded murder. No more policing, incarceration, and militarization. It can't be reformed. Leave it, actually, one more second, leave it up there. Do you realize what she's saying here? She's a member of Congress. She is calling for the ending of policing. She's saying, we shouldn't have police anymore. No more policing, no more incarceration, uh, no more militarization, and she's saying, essentially, she's assuming this incident that I just described to you, policing in our country is inherently racist, he was met with aggression and violence. Okay, I, I wanna make sure you catch what she's actually alleging about this situation. I, we can come back to me now. This is what she's alleging about this situation. She's trying to say that this officer, this woman officer who was, I think it was a 26 year veteran, who actually was training someone that day. She had another officer, that, an officer in training with her She had a stellar record, and she made, you know, clearly the mistake of her life, a huge mistake, and she's paying the consequences. Lost her job, being prosecuted. But what you hear out of Rashida Tlaib, who is one of the, you know, the squad, one of the radical Marxists serving in our government, radical Marxist determined, focused on, driven to push the Marxist destruction of America's society and culture. She's accusing that officer of having done what she did intentionally. I mean, we're so used to these radical crazy things left to say that we don't even process that. She's accusing this officer of doing it intentionally. This officer who's, you know, I- I'm gonna guess this officer is brokenhearted, devastated, you know, humiliated, uh, just everything you would be if you had committed something like this. You had meant to fire a taser and fired a gun. I mean, I'm not excusing her actions, but this is where we've gotten to in our country. You have Maxine Waters in Chicago urging people, excuse me, in Minneapolis, urging people, urging them to commit violence if we don't get a guilty, guilty, guilty verdict in the Chauvin case, You have Rashida Tlaib out here encouraging the country and people who don't have the time or wherewithal or interest to read the news to assume that this incident that I just described to you was intentional. I mean, that is the ugliest ugliest accusation to make but that's what she's saying there was another oh and by the way back to brooklyn center and the dante wright thing uh there was a clip i sent you matt it's just a a series of pictures i want to show you the people who've been arrested okay this is a group of people Mugshots shots of antifa blm rioters in brooklyn center and again brooklyn center part of minneapolis where the dante wright incident occurred where the officer fired her Gun when she went to fire her taser. Look at this lineup of people. Overwhelming majority. These are people arrested in Brooklyn Center. So assuming in in a five day period, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Five day period, arrested in Brooklyn Center uh, because the, in Minneapolis area uh, because of rioting because of the Dante Wright situation and. And if you stare at their faces a moment, you can see uh, it's majority white. It's not really uh, necessarily all black Americans. I mean, some of them may be paid protesters. Some of them may be Antifa funded, uh, Black Lives Matter funded. These are people, and these are the only the ones who got arrested, not all the ones committing the crime. Brooklyn Center, this little majority black community, is overwhelmed with violence now. Because of the mistaken firing of a weapon, of a gun, when she meant to fire the taser, and you have all these people arrested, and and all of them, and Rashida Tlaib accusing the officer of intentional actions, and encouraging as a solution that we end policing in this country, and this is not again some, this Rashida Tlaib is not some you know radical leftist crazy uh, in you know communist China or something. This is a member of the United States Congress. And that's her idea, and she is, as I mentioned, she's one of the Marxists in Congress, she's one of the people who understands the Marxist agenda to keep America racially divided. She knows this. She understands it is the Marxist agenda. She is feeding the Marxist agenda by claiming that a a horrific accidental shooting of someone who was fleeing justice, fleeing uh, an officer, resisting arrest. Um, But that person, that officer engaged in intentional conduct, I mean, you can't, I'm getting, I'm doing these cases, I'm going to do this, uh, Adam Toledo also, just a moment, just to get to the point that we can't even have an intelligent conversation based on facts and based on reasonable expectations when you have people in power like Maxine Waters and Rashida Tlaib going out of their way to keep black Americans agitated and angry in instances where it is an utter destruction of the idea of the rule of law And the idea of of due process, the idea of a civil society, they are intentionally fomenting the downfall of America. You have to grasp this. One more little clip I sent to Matt the Wonderful. This is what our former commander in chief had to say, Barack Obama. Our hearts are heavy over yet another shooting of a black man, Dante Wright, at the hands of police. It's important to conduct a full and transparent investigation. But this is a reminder of just how badly we need to reimagine policing and public safety in this country. I'm going to wrap up this segment by saying this. Okay, no, no. I'm going to do Adam Toledo very, very quickly. Adam Toledo, young man, 13 years old. This incident occurred on March 29th. Adam Toledo. 13-year-old uh, young man was out in the middle of the night. It's like 1 or 2 in the morning with a 21-year-old man and that 21-year-old was shooting his gun into cars driving by. So the police get two 911 calls, shots fired, something's going on. They show up. Uh, they, they chase down and catch the guy, the uh, 21-year-old, um, who, by the way, told them that he didn't know the identity. That he either didn't know, or he gave them the wrong name for Adam Toledo. The 13-year-old runs. The police are chasing him. The uh, body camera the police officer had on has been played over and over, and it's, you know, very upsetting. But this 13-year-old runs into, carrying a gun. Runs into an alley, so he's kind of trapped. He's, he's in. He's got. He's got three sides around him. He's got a wall over here with a little opening in the wall. So he's. And the police officer is yelling. Okay, a few f bombs, but okay. Police officer yelling at him. Stop. Turn around. Put your hands up. Put your hands where I can see them. Stop. The kid has a gun. He's by the edge of the wall of this alley, and what appears to have occurred is that the. This young man, this 13-year-old, um, was trying to ditch the gun, kind of around the corner, out of the officer's view, but he's simultaneously turning, as the officer said, "Turn, you know, face me, turn, turn toward turn me," turning, and he's also ditching the gun behind the uh, wall of this alley. And as the officer's lawyer has presented it, at least, there was less than one second. Less than one second between when Adam Toledo dropped the gun and when the officer shot him. Meaning, the officer is seeing this kid. The officer, by the way, is in fully exposed. He's out of his car, he's chasing this kid in the alley. They've got the other guy, um, the one who was shooting into the cars. They've got this young man in the alley, and he's totally exposed. The officer is. He doesn't have, he can't d- d- ditch behind a building. And he's saying, you know, tell him to stop and turn around and drop the gun. So the kid does this and, you know, tries to drop the gun. But uh, so within apparently less than one second, um, the officer has to decide because he sees the kid with a gun and he shoots and, and Adam Toledo is killed. And again, I'm going over these cases to make this point. I think every officer involved shooting has to be investigated. Every officer involved shooting. I think that 99% of America... of America are good, noble people. I think police officers are good and noble and try to do the right thing. And the American people are good and noble and want the officers to do the right thing. This is a country overwhelmingly filled with good people. But when the left and the media gets a hold of a story like this, it is again exploited. I mean, the police... We're going to investigate this shooting. They were going to put this officer, I assume, on suspension. I don't know that he's been fired yet. I don't know what's happened to him. He may have been fired. I'm, it's unclear if they're bringing charges against him, at least as far as I read, the officer involved in that shooting, unclear if they're going to end up bringing charges against him. But there is a, there is a uh, hysteria on display in America that every time an officer-involved shooting occurs, the left, the Democrat media mob, the left pounces, creates a narrative, works up anger, works up the, expands our list of all of the reasons why we need to reimagine policing or, or not arm police. I mean, we, ha- we live in a country where we so abandon these precious concepts of due process, rule of law, Trusting investigation. Find out what happened. So now you have those three incidents all on the minds of the American people. Very few people taking the time to read even the skim the surface detail I'm giving you. The just, you know, oh, it's another. It's, it's a slogan slung out. Another shooting. Another unarmed black man. Well, Adam Toledo, I mean, if you count that he was unarmed by the time he dropped the gun, which was less than one second before he was shot, then he was unarmed. But he's carrying a gun. And by the way, this one the media was particularly complicit in because as one example, CBS ran this story and edited out or carved out the portion of the video where you could see that the young man had a gun. So the officer looks like he's shooting at a 13-year-old for no good reason. You know, In many other aspects of this story, my reason for why I talk about this today is this. I want justice, and I want the same justice standards for every single American, of every race, creed, ethnicity, national origin, skin color, everything. That's what blind justice is, is what rule of law is, including for police officers, including for people of every background in every situation and regardless of how much the media has tried to shape and form the narrative, so everyone's supposed to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what happened there. Unarmed 13-year-old bad police officer prosecute him. We have to try, if fighting for America, fighting for our country, means insisting on that these these ideas of the rule of law and the ideas of due process apply to everyone. We have to fight back against the media narrative that's always trying to portray bad cop, bad America, racist America, innocent young person, and agree with ourselves that we're going to insist the justice system do its job, but the justice system is not as... As you might think Maxine Waters would say it is, the job is to find the verdict. She says they have to find. The goal of the justice system is to apply these precious ideas to all Americans in every case. I I was hoping, I was thinking actually today uh, by the time we got on um, together that there would be uh, a possible, I guess it's too soon to have a verdict, but the the jury instructions have gone out. and, or are going out right now in Chicago, and I'm just, I'm, excuse me, in Minneapolis, and I'm deeply, deeply hopeful that the jury can actually do the job that they're entitled to do, and they're supposed to do, they're obligated to do, under our system, and actually render a verdict based on the rule of law and the jury instructions, and not based on the mob threatening them outside the courthouse. I mean, Two other very quick stories. Uh, one is, uh, so Florida Governor DeSantis, I mean, he is, this guy is rocking it. This guy is like so far ahead of the rest of this, of the, any other governor in our country, um, including Christine Noah, most definitely including Greg Abbott in Texas. But he signed a new piece of legislation called the anti riot bill. Governor DeSantis, Florida governor, you know, clearly perceived as a likely presidential candidate in 2024, although I was reading an article about some Florida conservatives are banding together and saying basically, stop trying to recruit him to run for president. We want him as our governor. But anyway, he signed a new piece of legislation, the anti-riot law, and he basically said, look, we're going to have the respect for the First Amendment, the freedom of assembly, freedom of speech. We're going to have that and we're going to protect that, but no more rioting, no rioting in Florida stopping the rioting kind of setting putting a line in the sand a marker down watching what's happening still happening by the way if you didn't know in portland almost every night i mean the media isn't even covered anymore the media puts out a and the white house participates in telling the media not to cover these things we're still in the midst of riots in our country portland washington dc Clearly Minneapolis, as Governor DeSantis said, you know what, we're having anti-riot law here. You know, you can peaceably assemble, not tolerating a moment of rioting. Stop it, it was, it's very similar actually to other times where you just say, you know, you kind of nip it in the bud in the beginning, zero happening here, God bless Governor DeSantis. Last thing, this is a very positive thing, I was starting to, to show out today, I said a little bit about how people are, there are positive voices speaking up well, there's a great, great letter that was written by a parent at a, a very elite private school uh, in New York City. This is a Briarly School, or I don't know how they pronounce their name, Briarley School, B-R-E-A-R-L-E-Y. I'm going to go with Briarley, but I know what it is, Briarley. It's a very, very high-end private girls' school. It's like 54000 a year to send your kid there or something, so obviously very elite. But there's a dad there at that school who finally spoke up and wrote a letter and he sent it not only to the school, but sent it to all the parents in the whole school. And he basically said, I'm pulling my daughter out, which everyone knows, if you have kids you know, it's a big deal to pull your kid out of a school if they're happy and they're doing well. You know, changing schools is hard. Pull their daughter out and he wrote a letter And I cannot urge you strongly enough to read the letter. It's at our website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org. At AmericaCanWeTalk.org, on the homepage, under shows, drop-down, list of links, you can read this dad's letter. Basically, what he said is he was pulling his daughter out because he he is tired of the school's attitude. Um, In fact, I'll just read you. We no longer, um, we don't believe the administration or board of trustees have our children's best interests at heart. We no longer have confidence our daughter will receive the quality of education necessary to further her development into a critically thinking, responsible, enlightened, and civic-minded adult. He goes on to say, I write to you as a fellow parent, and he says, it cannot be stated strongly enough that Braley's obsession with race must stop parents who send their kids that school have to sign an anti-racism pledge the school as he describes it just obsessed with race and, and anti-racism and critical race theory in every class on every level in every everything they do and so he wrote a really really articulate lengthy letter and and i'm telling you people i put it as a caption at this part of the show He's speaking for millions of Americans. And I want to close the show. I can't read segments of this letter to you. I may come back to it tomorrow, but I can't read segments of it today because I'm pretty much out of time. But I want to make this point in closing out the show today. The vast majority of Americans of every race, skin color, ethnicity, national origin, the vast majority of Americans strive very hard to love their neighbor as themselves, to treat others with respect, to assume we all have equal rights, to treat each other with respect, and to expect that America's culture and society will do that. People of every race, ethnicity, national origin, and skin color are appalled by racism, real racism, appalled. They can't stand it. They call it out. What has happened in America is the obsession with the critical race theory and the, or the point of the critical race theory thing is to claim that everything in society, every aspect of society, every study, uh, every subject your child studies in school, every avenue, every every morsel, every atom of America is all about race and racism and to bring racism into the discussion or accusations of racism into the discussion about everything that is the point it is the entirely the point of critical race theory is to is to accuse people who happen to have born been born with white skin of being inherently white supremacist inherently having white privilege inherently being uh, racist and intolerant and to accuse it's just a massive massive, broad-brush accusation. The critical race theory is a massive, broad-brush accusation of all America. And what you're hearing from this dad and from people across the country is finally standing up saying, no, actually, you're wrong. You're wrong. America is not that kind of country. America does not deserve the accusations the leftists make about rampant racism, systemic racism around this country. America doesn't deserve it. It's not true. And we're tired of having this obsession with it. It is actually interfering with education in the case of this. It's interfering with the justice system. It's interfering with our human relationships. It's interfering with politics. Obsessing about race is antithetical to the idea of America. It's antithetical to the idea of an America where, as I say on this show, if you're going to be tribal, if you must be tribal, be tribal about the ideas of America. This one dad wrote the most eloquent letter, really calling out the school on issue after issue, saying, this is not who we are, this is unjustified, and you're destroying a, what apparently, I never heard of it, but I'm sure it was a very high-end, very elite school. You're destroying it with your obsession over race. And the obsession over race is happening, to tie back to something I said much earlier, The obsession over race in the public schools is part and parcel of the broader obsession with race by the American left, the obsession with race, the Communist Party started with in the 20s and 30s, the notion that if you get people to obsess about race, to self-identify by skin color and to and to snuggle into the silo to which you have assigned them and to cause them to think everybody else every other silo doesn't like you, is prejudiced against you wants to treat you unfairly you've succeeded in destroying American society, you've succeeded in destroying America as founded. That is what the left is up to, that is why Brearley, however you say the name of that school that is why that administration even if they don't know it, they don't have any idea, they know to go with the trend, to flow with the trend, to do what everyone considers a cool crowd says now. We have to obsess about race on every single issue, and we have to make anti-racism pledges for our parents, and we have to obsess about race and teach critical race theory, and accuse everyone who happens to have been born white of white privilege and white supremacy, and, and constantly paint not just some individuals, but the entire country as a deeply racist country. The people who run that school and, frankly, school systems around this country have bought into that effort of the left to to destroy America, to racialize America, because it's easier than fighting back against them, easier than speaking up just go along with this racialist agenda and that somehow makes life better and fairer for everyone. And this one parent, I'm telling you folks, I urge you to read this letter, post it in your social media, tell your friends about it, and get brave like this dad did, saying basically, America is not guilty. America is not guilty of the systemic racism which the left accuses, of which the left accuses it. America is not. America, the country, is a good and noble country, not perfect, always can be improved. And people of every race, ethnicity, national origin, and skin color can always work better to understand each other better, to put themselves in each other's shoes, to listen, to to be better, better as a country. We can always work on that. But when you start from the premise the left has set, there's nowhere to go except the eventual destruction of America. The left is determined to bring about through the Marxist ideology, this cultural Marxism, the destruction of America. That's what they're doing. And it's up to the American people to say, no, we are not guilty of what you're accusing us of being. That is not who America is. At the close of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. And I put it up in the slide. So we have the first one, Maxine, guilty, guilty, guilty. Why it matters, Water stripped to Minneapolis explicitly intended to stir <clears throat> unrest over the outcome of the Chauvin trial, even when the outcome isn't known yet. It's the worst kind of race-baiting, anger-stoking rhetoric. Waters said Trump. Incited riots. She voted to impeach him for that when he called for peaceful protest. So what is she calling for? There may have been a time when even Democrats would denounce her, but no longer. If rioting ensues, Waters will be partially responsible. But will she be held accountable? No one believes Waters will ever be held accountable. The ruling class seems to believe the obvious two-tiered or double standards justice system is not noticed by most Americans. Meaning, they believe most Americans don't pay attention or don't care. But they're wrong. The American ruling class is dangerously out of touch with the American mood and we are watching. On the George Floyd and the Chauvin trial, multiple truths can exist at the same time. Police officers can make mistakes and sometimes engage in wrongful behavior, even intentional wrongful behavior, for which they should be held accountable. But deaths in the course of law enforcement activity are tragic and regrettable for all. But the left is deliberately manipulating a narrative intended to destroy the American judicial system and all notions of due process. The facts of the Floyd, Wright, and Toledo cases are not simple. They do not in any way validate a narrative of innocent men just minding their own business when gunned down by racist police. That's just not what happened. To yield to leftist mob demand to dispense with or disregard investigation of all facts and circumstances and evidence in favor of an instant verdict and punishment is to completely abandon the American system of due process. And this is exactly what is intended by the radical left. On Governor DeSantis leading again, DeSantis signs a strong and clear anti-rioting bill. Peaceful protests are okay, riots are not. Clear consequences for crossing the line into rioting. DeSantis leadership is nothing more than the exercise of common sense. Opposition to rioting is not based on skin color, it is based on universal desire for law and order in every neighborhood. All out leftist assault on American society seeks racial division double standards of justice the vast majority of americans oppose what the leftists are doing but america's elected officials have lost american character and backbone and finally we had american parent speaks for millions again go to my website people and read this letter andrew gutman parent of a girl attending one of the priciest private schools in manhattan penned a very strong condemnation of woke teaching at the school Withdraws his daughter from the school and sends his letter to the parents of all students at the school. Gutman's letter has gone viral nationally. His complaints and criticisms resonate. Gutman is an example of what one person can do to make a difference. He took a stand and spoke up against the moral vacuousness and insanity of the leftist tyranny of indoctrination enveloping school boards and schools. He will inspire others to stand up and speak up, and schools and corporations will eventually tilt back toward rationality. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time.